you have your Bibles, turn in them to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, the scripture is printed in your bulletin on page 6. There's a place to take notes on page 7. And, uh, okay, it's not on the screen. You just have to look in your bulletin for it. So we're going to be looking just, well, we're going to look at more than one verse, but we're going to focus and unpack just one verse today. It's 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And so friends, listen. This is God's word. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is God's Word. As Chad said earlier, this month we are studying the Bible's teaching on regeneration. Okay, Regeneration is a blessing. It's one of the gifts that God gives to people. When we commit to Jesus, God's power changes us from the inside out. Okay, Regeneration is the act of God where he puts spiritual life and strength in us, restoring us into his image. He makes us new inside. That's what regeneration is. We've been looking at this all month. So we saw first, <clears throat> out of Romans chapter 6, we saw the gospel makeover. Like, do you remember that? That when we believe in Jesus, our old self, our sinful self, dies with Christ, and then we are raised with Christ, and we are new creatures. We're new inside. Uh, and then last week, we saw in Philippians 2 that we talked about spiritual workouts, right? That we are to work out what God works in. Okay? God gives us spiritual strength, spiritual muscles, and then he calls us to work out those muscles, to strengthen them in our lives. And then we also talked about that regeneration helps us to understand the medical blessings of knowing God. Right, you remember that, the story of the drunk driver who gets into an accident? He's got two kinds of problems. He's got legal problems and medical problems. Well, regeneration goes beyond dealing with our legal problems with God. Right? That's what forgiveness is for, justification and adoption, deal with our legal issues. Regeneration, though, goes beyond forgiveness. Okay? Regeneration is the spiritual surgery that God does inside of us. So that more and more and more we become people of love and strength. Okay? And so, to say it another way, you might know that God forgives, but how do we grow? How do we change? How do we, how do we get set free from destructive behaviors or attitudes? That's what this verse is about. This verse, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, describes how to walk in this makeover. Okay? It, it describes how to spiritually work out. And we're going to just look at this phrase, or this verse, phrase by phrase. Okay? So it starts, and we all. Okay? It says, and we all. So this is true for everyone who's a Christian. Okay? It's true for Paul, the apostle, who wrote this. And it's true for everyone who has a relationship with God through Jesus. Okay, God regenerates us all. Okay? And it goes on. 
with unveiled face. Okay? Now we've got to step back a little bit and understand some of the context. Okay? Paul, what Paul is doing when he writes this verse is he's comparing life in the church, life as a Christian, to life in the Old Testament under the ministry of Moses. Okay? And so he's referring specifically in these verses to Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 to 35. Let me just read you some of that. It says this, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, so Moses coming down with the, with the covenant, the Ten Commandments, right? Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he'd been talking to God. Okay, so God, Moses goes into God's presence. God is shining glorious light. Moses comes away and he's shining himself. And he didn't know it. Okay? Verse 32, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. And whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Okay? So you get the picture. Okay, Moses goes into the presence of God, takes off the veil, his face begins to shine and glow. Then he comes out and he tells the people with this shining face, and then he puts the veil back on until he goes back into the presence of God. That's what's being described here. Now, the question is why? Like, why is he doing this? Why does he cover up his shining face? Well, Paul tells us actually a few verses earlier in 2 Corinthians. In just verse 13, so five verses above, he says this. He says, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face. Okay, so this is clearly what Paul's talking about. Okay, we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face. Why? So that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Okay? And what the commentators, the scholars mostly agree on is that what was happening is that when Moses' face would start to shine, um, he'd leave the presence of God, he would speak to the people, and then afterwards that glow would begin to fade. We begin to fade. So it's almost like recharging the batteries or, uh, or like those glow-in-the-dark stars that you put up on the ceiling in your kids' rooms. Right? When the light's on, it gets a charge, and then you turn the lights off and they glow, but after about a minute or so, sometimes longer, that, that glow fades. Right? Are you with me? And this is what was happening to Moses. And so when Moses learned that this was happening, he didn't want Israel to see the glory fading away. Okay. Moses is fired up, he's excited, he wants Israel to see that there's real glory in it. He's meeting with God. But what he doesn't want them to see is that God's presence is fading away. And so he covers his face so that all they ever see on Moses is the shining, radiant glory. What Paul's saying, though, is that we're not like that. Okay, we're not like that. We all have unveiled face. Right? We don't put a veil over our face. Okay? We have open access to God, just like Moses. But the glory that we receive from God doesn't fade away. Okay? It doesn't fade away. We're going to talk more about this in a little bit. But 
Paul goes on. Okay? Paul goes on. So he says, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Paul is saying that if you're a Christian, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus, you see the glory of God. You behold the glory of the Lord. And glory, this is, like glory, I think, I mean, glory isn't just something God has. I think glory is something that even, I mean, even some people have. Glory is just what makes you amazing. Uh, I've heard some people, or one person describe it as, it's like when you're around someone really famous. You know, there's sort of a presence about them. Right? There's something about them. They're just, they're just special. Because of what they've done, because of what they can be, because of what they continue to be, because of who they are, because of where they've been. Right? Glory is, is just it's what's amazing about someone. And Paul is saying here that we see the glory of God. And so God's glory is what makes God amazing. Okay? The incredible privilege of being a Christian is that you have this secure relationship with God. And you can go into his presence and you can see him. And when you see him, you remember just how amazing he is. Okay, and so thinking about this, I think it would help us to think about what it was like for Moses to see God. And then we'll talk about how that applies to us. Okay? And so from Moses' perspective, Moses is in the presence of God. And you can go into God's presence, take out the and stare at the glory of God. Um, Moses would not just be anywhere. Okay, this happened when he was in the tabernacle. Okay? And so you have to understand that when Moses went into God's presence, this is what was around him. Okay? This is a picture, it was an artist rendition of the Testament, the Old Testament tabernacle. Okay? And so Moses is in here, from the very center. But you have to realize that as Moses is in the presence of God, it says that Moses spoke with God, um, but, but Moses could see how amazing God was. And I think that some of what contributed to Moses seeing God's glory and God's amazing character had to do with how Moses got there. Okay? What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, if you think about this, this tabernacle, where was this? We actually just read about this in CDR, in Numbers chapter 2. Where was the tabernacle? Louder. Where was it in relationship to the people? It was right in the center. Right? In Numbers chapter 2, it says you had three tribes north of the tabernacle. Three tribes south, three tribes west, three tribes east. And if you're reading through that, you might get kind of bored. You're like, it's, just, it's kind of repetitious. You know, it doesn't seem to be super exciting to read. Now, if you were one of those people, then you want to know where you're supposed to be, right? Because this is important. Because in the center of God's people was the tabernacle. God lives in the center of the lives of his people. And so when they camp, God's in the center. And then remember it says in the next part, when Israel needs to move, it says, okay, these tribes go first, then these tribes, then the tabernacle, then these tribes, and then these tribes. 
right? So there's this marching line, right? And again, when Israel camps or when they travel, God is in the center of his people. And so you wonder, as Moses is in the presence of God, beholding the glory of the Lord, if he sees God's glory even in the tower, even in the setup, that he can look around in every direction that his eyes would take and he'd see he would know that God is in the midst of his people. Because guess what? If your life feels like a desert, that's exactly what you need to Right? That God is in the center of your struggles and your challenges and your trials and your suffering and your sins. And God is with you. He's with you. And so Moses thinks about the whole thing. Well, then he walks in, right? This is before he even gets there. He walks in. So maybe when Moses is here, he's thinking about who God is. He remembers how he got there. And he remembers, oh, when I came in, the first thing I saw was this altar. This altar. Because God, the very first thing God did when I walked into his presence, was he said, in front of me. He reminded me that I am forgiven. And God has this amazing way of loving us and telling us that he loves us and forgives us in a way that makes us think, oh man, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> you know? I want to grow. I want to be rid of my sin. And so this altar reminds Moses, God, you forgive me. And then he keeps walking and he sees, this is called the bronze basin. Sometimes called the bronze sea filled with water and it's raised up. So it's like baptismal water. This is water from heaven. It's raised off the ground. Because through this, after the sacrifice, God cleanses. So he forgives and he cleanses and makes us new. And so Moses is speaking with God. He's looking at God. He's remembering that I am forgiven and I am cleansed. I've been made and he gets in to the tabernacle, right? Into the tabernacle itself. It's going to blow it up, right? And in the tabernacle, he comes in, and the first thing he sees is light. Blazing light, shining. These seven-fold candelabra, seven stems, and the light shining, filling the tabernacle. And he's reminded that in the midst of his people, God is... With God, there is no darkness. And that His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Right? And Moses is thinking, God, you are my light. You know, so he looks to the left, he sees that. He looks to the right, he sees it's called the table of bread, the table of showbread. And on it were 12 loaves of bread that were placed once a week. And put the loaves up there for a week. 12 of them. Why? Because there were 12 tribes of Israel. One for each tribe, and God is saying, because back then bread was was like chicken for us, right? Bread was a staple of what they ate. And so this was a meal. And so Moses comes in, looks to the left, sees the light, looks to the right, and he sees God, you love us like family. There is a table spread before us in the midst of the desert, and you want to eat with us. This is what makes God amazing. Right? This is the glory of the Lord. This is what makes God. 
you want to follow Him. It's what makes you want to obey Him. It's what makes you trust Him. It's because this is what He's like. And then, this is called the altar of incense. Right in front of the other veil. The altar of incense. And that was where the incense was offered. And the smoke. In, in the Bible, incense is compared to prayers. And the idea was they light incense. And it would come walking. The smoke would go behind the veil into the presence of God. Just like our prayers ascending to heaven, God hears them. And that's the point. Is that Moses will be reminded, you know what, that God hears our prayers. Every prayer that you pray, God hears. He is listening. He cares. And so when Moses goes behind this veil, when Moses goes into the presence of God, then you've got the ark. And this is God's throne. This is where God dwells in his And it's kind of crazy because, uh, because, so you have this, like this is God dwelling in the midst of his people. And it's removed, right? It's kind of separated from the rest of the people, okay? Because it's behind this veil, it's in this big giant tent, it's behind this outer court. And so yes, God is in the presence of his people, he's dwelling with them. But he's sort of like three veils removed, right? One, two, and three. But not for Moses. Not for Moses. Moses goes into the presence of God. Because that's where God dwells. And he sees the glory of the Lord. Everything is made of gold because God is worth it. Right? Everything is gorgeous. It's glorious. Everything is beautiful because God cares about beauty. And there Moses, it says, Moses met with God and spoke to him face to face as a man does with his friend. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that like Moses was able to go back there, so now we all with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord. Did you see that? Did you see that? And this is what Paul is trying to say in these verses. He's saying that we now can behold the glory of the Lord. I mean, I think for me, you know, in some ways, this isn't super, super helpful. Unless you actually study the image. This is why we read the Old Testament, right? This is why CBR is teaching us and taking us through the Old Testament. So we can expose to this stuff. So that you can read it and be like, I will admit this. Hopefully someone at some point will explain this to you. So here you go, right? You've seen this, you've read it. If you've been doing CBR, you've read through Exodus, right? Exodus 25 to 31 is when this stuff is described. And now you see it, right? And now we understand it. Oh, God cares a lot about the dimensions of this altar because that's the place where he wants his people to live in our freedom. That applies to me. Right? Part of the glory of the Lord is that he forgives. Part of the glory of the Lord is that he actually invites us into his presence. Right? We can see his forgiveness in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Right? We can see his cleansing in our baptism. 
right? The waters are poured out over us as the Holy Spirit fills us. We are cleansing the new. God eats with us at the Lord's table. God's word is open. It is our light. It shows us the way. In all of these ways, we behold the glory of the Lord. These are the aspects of God's character that amaze us and inspire us. Now, I think for us, understanding this is helpful. Uh, the reason that we actually have City Bible Reading, like the reason why we do City Bible Reading is so that you can learn to see the glory of the Lord every day. Um, or as often as you can, you can not just open up the Bible and read it, but you can see the glory of the Lord. Okay? That's why we do this. That's why we have adoration and confession and thanksgiving and celebration. It's so that when you read, you'll actually read God. Um, and I can tell you, my whole, my whole prayer life has been changed. Um, I used to spend time with God just reading and studying the Bible. Okay? And I would read it, I would try to understand it, I would try to outline it, I would try to explain all the verses to myself. I, I mean, most of my time with God was spent in Bible study, okay? which isn't a bad thing, it's a wonderful thing. But I spent just about all my time like, looking down at God's Word, like, studying God's Word, understanding it, feeling, you know, trying to figure out how to apply it to my life. You know, and, like, and I just learned the truth, learned the truth, learned the truth of God's Word. And it's interesting because the image, I was having a conversation with somebody about this this week, the image that I had about the way that I used to spend time with God is that I have this thought about how God is on his throne. In some ways, God doesn't have a body. He's a spirit, so it's kind of a challenge to think about what that, what it looks like to, to see him. You know, so in my mind's eye, I just sort of picture this giant throne, and I can kind of see, like, legs, you know, but then the rest of it's sort of cut off by the camera angle. That's just what I tend to think about when I think about being before God in his presence sometimes. But when I would spend time with God, I had this image of God sitting on his throne, and then me, like a little kid with, with my Bible, you know, in my hand, just sitting down on the floor um, next to him, reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible, saying, God, who are you? God, who are you? I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. And I feel like what's happened to me over the last like, two or three years is that I've learned I've learned, you know, as I'm sitting in the presence of God and I'm reading the Bible trying to understand who God is and what does he want from me and what does he have to say to me, I feel like I've learned to look up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, like I've spent so much time trying to understand the Bible that sometimes I forget to look up at God who wrote the Bible. I just think this is sort of what happens. This is just sort of one of the temptations that we have. You know, where even with great zeal and excitement, I can't read the Bible, it's like we forget in a second. There's a God who embodies these truths. And so I feel like I've begun to look up at Him. You know, where now when I'm learning something, I look up at Him and 
That's what the ACTS process is designed for. You learn something about God, and then you adore Him for it. And as you learn something about God, you then confess your sins, because you begin to see, wow, God, you are amazing this way, I'm not amazing this way. Like with my kids, I knew ACTS is, adoration is, God, you're awesome. Confession is, I'm not awesome. Thanksgiving is, Jesus, thank you that you were awesome for me. And then supplication is, Holy Spirit, make me awesome. It's really simply put, right? It's designed for us, not just to read the Bible, but to behold the glory of the Lord. It's to look up into our Father's face. And I would say, you can't do one without the other, okay? And I think there's some people that spend all their time like gazing at their image of God, gazing at what they understand God to be like. And the only challenge with that is that you need the Word so that you know what God is like. Okay? And so in some ways, God speaks to us through this, and then we speak to Him in prayer. But something happens when we make that transition that we get to look at Him. Everything, I mean, everything changes for me. I mean, even just this week, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I was amazed to watch Paul describe his love for the church. Okay? Paul's describing his love for the church, and as I began to pray about it, I began to realize, whoa, Paul's love for the church is a reflection of God's love for me. Right? It kind of makes sense. The apostle, the pastor of the church, his love for the people reflects God's love for the people. Okay? And so it changed everything. Because now I realize, Paul says this, he says, we, when we were with you, we were gentle and we like nursing mother taking care of our own children. I thought, wow, God, you really are gentle with me. You are gentle. You care, you're understanding, you're like a mom. Then he goes on, he says, for you know that like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. And I thought, okay, you are also like this father. Because not only are you gentle with me, but you also exhort me. You'll also encourage me. And you'll call out of me the best that's in me. You see how it gets personal? You see how it becomes like, this is what God is like. He's gentle, but then he's also firm, and he helps us grow. Right? Then Paul says this. He says, what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting? Isn't it you? And I thought, wow. I felt like God was saying that to me. <clears throat> that as his children, we are his joy and his crown. Like we're the apple of his eye. This is the God of the scriptures. And friends, this is the glory of the Lord. Someone so good, someone so holy, love us this way. He would care about us this way. And he doesn't wink at our sin. He doesn't ignore us. He sees it, and he wants to encourage us. He gives us the strength to be ready. He invites us to confess it. He gives us assurance of his forgiveness. And this is God's glory. We behold the glory of the Lord as we spend time in his word and in prayer.
So, the verse goes on. So we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, this is what happens. We are being transformed in the same image. Here's the power. Power is that when you see God, you become like Him. When you see God, you become like Him. In the beginning, God made us in His image. We perfectly represented God. We perfectly looked like God. We acted like God. Um, we gave off a feeling to other people like God would. And we were perfect in His image. And yet, sin has vandalized that image. Sin is spray painted over the heart. You know? Um, and so you can still see parts of the image of God in us, but it's been marred. Right? Our sin covers up what is in us that's like God. But when we see Him, when we behold the glory of the Lord, we are drawn to Him and we become like Him again. Right? Our sin is lifted off and the image is underneath. Right? As we see what God is like, we become more like Him. And this is what happens. I mean, think about it. It's, if God has put, if He has regenerated us, He is remaking us. He is recreating us back into His image. And the more we can see Him, the more we can know what we are like in Him. Okay? So, this is what Sundays are all about. Okay? This is what Sundays are all about. It's these two phrases. Beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed in the same image. That's what we're trying to accomplish on Sundays. We want to worship God. And we want to see Him so that we can be like Him. Okay? And this is our service. Right? It starts with calling. Right, where God calls us into His presence. Right, this is huge. You are different. Your life is different. There is a calling from God on your life. He says, "Come, come and worship Me." And so you are different. Right, you're not the same person you were before. You are new now. And so God calls you into His presence so that you can see Him and remember who He is. Okay, and then God cleanses us, kind of like that. Kind of like the altar in that bronze basin, right? When we confess our sins together, right? God forgives us. He reminds us of our forgiveness. You're this child, and He's made you new. Right? We confess our sins because God is saving us from sin's power, and He is working in us His righteousness. And so this is why this is why we confess our sins. Why we give assurance of forgiveness, right? And then consecration. Consecration, um, this is God's word, right? This sermon reminds us that we are God's children. It reminds us of what his ways are. We are God's workmanship. And the Bible reminds us of how to think about our salvation. It reminds us about our relationship with God. It reminds us about how awesome he is. Right? It teaches us all these things about who God is, who we are, God's plan for us to have abundant life. It calls us to obey because obedience brings a greater experience of our salvation. Right? Then we have communion. And this is the place where all God's promises become assured. As real as the bread, 
and the wine and the juice are. That's how real your salvation is if you're trusting in Jesus. And then God commissions us in the benediction. Right? Because for God, once we see Him, we become like Him, we get inspired to walk like Him, then He wants us to show Him to others. And so He sends us out. He sends us out. Having seen Him, God wants us to show Him. And so, this is how um, we are transformed. As we see God, we see what He's like, we realize, wait, this is who we are now. Okay. And the verse goes on from one degree of glory to another. This is helpful because what this means is that this is a process. Okay, this is a process. It's a gradual process over time. So if you're not perfect yet, that's okay. That's okay because God is still with us. He's still forgiving us. Jesus still died for your sins. Okay, and this reminds us that it's a process. We go from one degree of glory to another. Okay? Um, I th- one author describes, I think it's Eugene Peterson, he's got a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Which I think is kind of a helpful way to think about that. We're, just, we're aiming to follow Jesus, and it takes time. It takes time. This week, I was able to have a conversation with someone where um, the time before we, we had met, um, I encouraged him to make some commitments, spend more time with God, um, to think about the way that he is um, as a man in the house. And uh, he said he was going to make some changes. And so we got back together, and I just asked him, so how are you doing? How's your time with God? Um, and he began to tell me that, that CBR is changing his life. CBR has radically changed the way that he sees God uh, when he reads the Bible. And his relationship with God is changing because he told me, he said, you know what, there's so many things that I know about God, but I haven't really known God. And he said, when you told me about this ACTS process, he said, I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. But the more I looked into it, the more I realized that this is teaching me how to have a relationship. The truths are becoming personal. It's like, well, that's amazing. And so, and then he told me about what his relationship with his kids has been like, and how he has really changed in significant ways um, when he corrects his kids, when he disciplines them. Um, he said, "I was always angry, and I always felt like this is a time for anger." Uh, and he said, "Now, when I'm done correcting them, I'll hold them." This is why 
our life dreams are so important. The reason I was able to have this conversation is because he's in my life group. He's in my life group. I'm not always doing it, so I just ask him. Right? This is what discipleship is. It's us asking each other how we're doing. It's following up. It's making sure that we're able to see God's glory. So we can be like him. In the last part of the verse. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Lord, who is the Spirit. What's exciting to me about this, what is transforming about this, is that regeneration isn't just this power that God puts in me. Regeneration is about person that God puts in me. The Bible says that when we are regenerated, God puts His Spirit in us. We're actually going to spend all of July talking about what it means to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Um, and just at this point, what this verse is saying, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is God above who wants us to grow so much that He comes into us. That it's His presence in us. The Spirit is who helps us understand the Word. The Spirit is who opens up our minds and our eyes so that we can see Jesus and believe the Gospel. The Spirit is the one who takes away the things that block our access to God. He convicts us of our sins and we confess it and it's gone. The Spirit is a person. So regeneration isn't sort of just this steroid injection of spiritual strength. It is not himself. To be with us. We have that spirit. We have that relationship. He never leaves you. He's always with you. No matter what. If you're in the desert, or if you're in the best time of your life, God is with you rejoicing. God is with you mourning. God is with you suffering. He's wanting to show you himself. So you can become like him. And then so you can show him to others. Where I think discipleship becomes um, even more pertinent with this is that there have been a number of times in my own life where it wasn't, like where this frankly wasn't enough. Where the Bible wasn't enough, where prayer wasn't enough. I can't tell you how many times I have needed to see the glory of the Lord and I couldn't see it until someone else showed it to me. There are times when God is going to use you, when God wants to use you to show His glory to someone else. God loves them, but they can't receive it, and so God's going to use you to show them His love. God understands them. But they can't see it, so God's going to use you to help them understand. God wants to give them strength, and He's going to use you to encourage them. And that becomes this sort of multiplicative cycle that fills our church, that fills our city with the glory of the Lord. And look to me and receive God's benediction.
You have seen the glory of the Lord. Now go. You've been transformed into his image. Now show. Show it to those that you know and love this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.